Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. I am just coming down of a pretty massive adventure ourselves as a family. We have spent quite a bit of time this summer on the road testing RV lifestyle. So you can follow all of that on Instagram if you haven't been. It's been quite the adventure. But this is the last of my best of episodes. Today is Ed T. Ed T joined us in 2020, and he just has a wealth of knowledge and travel experience, both international and getting his roots locally in the midst of the pandemic. I did touch base with Ed just recently, and he definitely has ventured off again. He was traveling to around the United States and in Singapore again. I think his family had been affected by COVID and was just realizing, you know, it's time. We need to go and was pretty excited to be doing that again. So this episode is from 2020. It was originally episode seven, Redefining Adventure Near and Far with Ed T. So I hope you enjoy this episode. In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I am your host, Heidi Dusick. I'm so glad you're here today. Today's episode, episode eight, is Redefining Adventure, Options Near and Far with Ed T. You guys, I might just have a little bit of starstruck. Ed is one of my adventure superheroes. I haven't known him very long, and I just didn't even know where to start because his adventure story includes places and things I've never even heard of. And so it was kind of funny and almost intimidating. I learned so much from this episode, and I know you will too. There are a ton of takeaways and a ton of tips that Ed shared with us. I'm so glad to have him as a member of our Sherpa community. So with that... Ed T is a husband, a father, and someone who wants to leave his mark in the universe. Prior to COVID, he was a pretty sophisticated travel hacker and an aspiring polyglot. Back to that in a second. A tax optimizer, a geo-arbitrage schemer, a homeschooler, a budding chef, an entrepreneur, right? Can you just feel how intense this is going to be? So I needed to look this up because I wanted to make sure I understood. A polyglot is someone who studies multiple languages. As he says, he's only fluent in two, but he can certainly speak elementary level. And I think he said almost 12 languages when I first talked to him. And in terms of geo-arbitrage, he's really lived a lot of different places for extended periods of time. And so he has immersed himself in the culture. And with that, I am so excited to welcome Ed to the show. Ed, I just kind of laugh every time I see your bio. I'm like, well, what haven't you done yet? Maybe that's the bigger story. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your adventure story? It's one of those uh, questions that... uh I'm like, where to begin? <laughs> right. I guess we'll start off from the day I got my notification to get conscripted into the army in Singapore. That's where I was from originally. And that really opened doors to me. Like many young men in my generation bemoan the idea of uh, being forced to join the military. And I guess I felt the same way too. But then I was like, uh, if you're going to do it, then let's just embrace the suck and uh, see <laughs> what we can what we can make out of it. And that really opened a lot of doors for me, not just in my life, but in my mindset. 
the whole idea of like being able to go into a strange, well, strange to me, not strange to the locals, mm-hmm. <laughs> a place that's strange to me and being able to engage with the people there and really embracing the local cultures, the foods, the language, they all stem from my experience in the army as an operations planner. And once you get that mindset that you can actually belong anywhere and you can be happy anywhere with however much or however little, the whole world opens up to you. And um, that's the long-winded way of saying, I guess the army is (laughs) where my adventure mindset came from. Yeah. And through the Army, you had talked with me earlier about the different languages that you started to embrace. So you speak multiple languages, correct? That's the, I just wanted to make sure that the true linguists out there don't roll their eyes too much. I speak two languages fluently. That's fair. That'll be Mandarin, Chinese, and English. But I do speak many other languages uh, at various grade school levels. <laughs> so. You can order a beer, right? That's Is that the language? <laughs> If it's okay for a great school level uh, language to be able to order beer, then yes, I can. <laughs> it's like I can order two beers uh, in multiple languages. That's great. And from the army, you also traveled quite a bit. Is it from the army or was it through your connections that you made in the army that really opened up some other opportunities for you to explore? It's both, actually. So the military enabled me to travel. Singapore is a very close ally of the United States, as well as the entire alliance with Informal alliance comprising, you know, Australia, Canada, uh, the UK, mm-hmm. and you know, France, Germany, Japan, Korea, South Korea. So, because there's a lot of cross training among these countries, I had the opportunity to travel ahead of my unit to prep all the logistical and operational requirements that enabled two military organizations to cross train mm. with each other. And language is one barrier. Other things include things like. Um, culture, even like the kind of ammunition, like there's Mm -hmm. so many moving parts that require it to be orchestrated and planned so that we can even operate in the same field together. So my job was to fly ahead of the rest of the unit and really figure out what uh, was required for us to be able to train together. And um, from there, it, it really gave me an opportunity to go to countries in every continent except Antarctica. And from there, I made all these friends who, well, I'm, I'm no longer 20. Let's yeah. just put it that way. <laughs> and so most of us have um, uh, retired from active service. Right. And um, that really gave me the opportunity to, to visit people who uh, I guess are old soldiers now, old warriors. And, um, and you had asked me previously, like how many countries I've been to, and, and I wasn't sure. And, and I did some homework and I think it's, no, I think, I know it's 46. Okay. <laughs> Which is not as many as... Um, People think because they always thought, oh, wow, you traveled the whole world. It's like, well, it's just 46 countries, but I spent a lot of time in these countries. It's not like a one day, two day, you know, one hit wonder right. and then you move on to the next thing. You collect the stamp in your passport. Right. Uh, I, I spend at least like a short trip for me. It's like three, four weeks. That's a short trip. Wow. <laughs> and then the long ones. Yeah. I go native. I go to ground. <laughs> so. Yes, you have some pretty cool stories too. I've just been talking with you about some of the ways you've immersed yourself in the culture. I know you talked about being in Thailand for a long time and learning how to cook from the street vendors and uh, you know, also some of the ways you've embraced some of the homestead experiences you've had as well. Oh yeah. I mean, the, one of my all-time favorite experiences was when we were in Chiang Mai there was one of those uh, hawk street side vendors with a uh, push cart kind of a setup where 
one of the signature dishes that she had was uh, pad thai. I think most Americans mm-hmm. know what pad thai is, but um, yeah. there are also other dishes like a pad siu, which is like a flat rice noodle with kind of sweet and savory at the same time. It's just to die for. Anyway, it costs like 75 cents. This is a very rough conversion. Sure. It's like 75 cents for a plate of the best stir fry. You sit on a stool by the side of the road and you kind of watch the world go by. And uh, it's mostly locals there. And so... I basically hit that joint every day. (laughs) I mean, it's so good and it's so cheap. And I just struck up a friendship with the owner. And through very bad tie and a lot of pantomime, was able to convey my desire to learn how to cook Pad Thai and Pad Siu from her. And uh, over the next couple of days, I was learning how to do that. And uh, I consider my uh, capstone project the day that she allowed me to, to do the cooking and to serve her customers. Wow. And um, my daughter was there that day. And uh, it's kind of like a reverse graduation. <laughs> Instead sure. of uh, me being in the audience, she's the one filming me and she's laughing her butt off. <laughs> and and um, I remember her telling me, like, it's just so embarrassing to see her dad, like, hunched. Like, I'm much taller than a vendor, so I'm hunched over <laughs> in this tiny push cart, like, cooking. And it was all, it just looked weird. Uh, I was dressed differently and I was didn't speak that much of the language, but I was serving up food to locals. And um, That's awesome. I guess in America, it would have been multiple uh, health hazards, so, sure. but in Thailand, it was just fine. <laughs> yeah, it's all about your standards and your expectations, right? We can talk about benchmarks later. Thank you for sharing that. You also, though, have had some experiences in really remote places like Western Mongolia. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you got there? Not necessarily the travel piece, but what inspired you to go there? And really, what did you do while you were there? And what about that experience left such an impression on your family? So Western Mongolia was one of the most uh, iconic and memorable experiences for my family, all of us, both myself and my wife and the kids as well. The reason why it was so powerful was um, they showed both the kids that they could go to a place with no power, no running water, you know, no heat coming out of a furnace, mm-hmm. no internet, which is the big thing, and they could be really happy there. And so that was like a huge a win for us as parents. And the question might follow, what the heck were you guys in Western Mongolia for? And uh, we were there to uh, train badly to hunt with golden eagles. So we're not hunting the birds, but using the birds to try and hunt little animals like foxes or rabbits. Yeah. And the reason why we even got there in the first place was that uh, prior to this massive trip in Asia, which is like over six months, we had always taken, you know, shorter trips of two to three weeks to complement our homeschool curriculum. So Mm -hmm. typically it would be around geography or history, global culture, language. And so... My children have grown accustomed to us traveling to a place as part of homeschool. So that is a, a norm that they've that is part of our homeschool. And mm-hmm. so my daughter watched a documentary about a girl there. She was like a 13-year-old, 12-year-old girl from the western regions of Mongolia, which is primarily Muslim. They are the descendants of what we now call the Cossacks. Like they are horse-riding, rough, hardy people who uh, are known to be great warriors and uh trace their roots back to Chinggis Khan, actually, uh, the Mongolian warlord. And so uh, mm. they have, through history, used uh, golden eagles to hunt small prey. And my daughter watched this and she saw this 13-year-old who was her age ask her dad to train her 
so that she could take part in this annual competition of like the best golden eagle hunters uh, in the Kazakhstan, Western Mongolia region. And she's like, hey, dad, I want to do that. <laughs> and so, you know, being a travel hacker, uh, I figured, no sweat, I can make it happen. Like I've done more complex travel hacking. Ed, before we get into how you got there, can you, for some of my listeners who aren't familiar with travel hacking, it kind of sounds illegal. <laughs> can you give me just a very brief overview of what do you mean by that? Yes. Travel hacking is essentially uh, using credit cards. Uh, you get a new credit card, earn the bonus points, pay off whatever you use on it, like open a new card, earn some points, pay it off, and then use that to find the best possible ways to get put travel together. Thank you for that super brief overview, because I know travel hacking is complicated. And so for my listeners, I just want you to know that I will have an episode or more likely a series of episodes on travel hacking, also known as travel rewards. So just thanks for giving us that very simplified version for this conversation. So going back, uh, you were saying that the Western Mongolia was not the easiest to get to. Tell us more about that. My daughter came to me and asked to go to train with these nomads in Western Mongolia. And uh, I was like, sure, no sweat. And turned out it was a lot of sweat because it was a place that no major airline went to. And even once you got to the closest town, it was still a good six-hour journey to get to this super, super remote uh, homestead where one of the very, very few eagle hunters actually took guests. I mean, there were many of those mm. um, hunters around, but not mm -hmm. all of them accepted guests into their home. So yeah, it's a, it's one of those things where um, I thought it was an easy thing. And, and then when we all got there, we all had some degree of dread because like um, there's no, like the mm -hmm. bathroom was an outhouse and it was almost winter yeah. um, and it was really cold. And so yeah. imagine waking up at two in the morning and you had to go take a, you know, a party break. Yep. And yep. there's no light, yeah. there's no power. <laughs> and then you hear wolves howling. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those where you're saying, oh, this might have been a little too much adventure, but we're not going to forget it. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even the locals, to back up, we had an interpreter with us. And so they were explaining to us, like, when you, if you go to go to the bathroom at night, you got to go in a pair because there are wolves around. <laughs> so I was like, awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. <Great. laughs> yeah. Lovely. Well, at least you had that hindsight, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was one of those experiences where, you know, aside from hunting on horseback with the eagle, you know, perch on your arm. Did it fishing. It was just brought on camels and milk cows. And like, you, you want some milk? Go milk a cow. <laughs> which is obviously an experience you can have in Wisconsin, I guess. Uh, but the eagle hunting was really special. Yeah, I had never heard of it before I heard your story and was super excited to hear more about it. So thank you for sharing that with us. You obviously have a couple children and you're back in the States now. Kind of how did you get back here and what are what are the things you're focused on this year? I, I'm assuming in 2020 you're not traveling. So what does adventure look like for you this year? Yeah, we've actually been back uh, in the United States for a year and change now. And the plan, as we record this uh, conversation, our family was supposed to be in Japan already. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> no one's traveling. Right. And so uh, the, the pivot that I took, I decided to embrace learning a new language, and that was Korean, and really dive deep into learning how to cook um, Japanese cuisine, mm. cook Japanese home cooking. It's not going to be like sushi restaurant standards. It's just going to be like yummy, good, wholesome food for the family. So those are the two things I did because language and food are two big chunks of my travel experiences. And so I figured, why not? 
I love how you took the shift because I think so many of us in this moment when we were canceling trips, it kind of felt like, well, there's no point in planning. And I really embraced, I really appreciated how you flipped that dynamic or flipped that narrative and said, well, I'm not traveling, but I'm going to travel again. And here's what I could learn to be better when the, when the next round of travel comes around. What is on your list then for future travels and where do you expect to go from here? So we have, again, quote-unquote, shorter trip planned that I had promised my daughter to go this year, actually, and had to be delayed. In the last year, she has really dived into Spanish, and I guess she takes after me in that way. Like, she she decides to try a language, and she is so fluent in Spanish now that she watches on Netflix, like, these um, stand-up comedies in Spanish, and she's, she's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm just blown away by... She actually understands the jokes and can follow along. That's impressive. I think I have no idea <laughs> because when you read the subtitles, it's it's not that funny, right? <laughs> and, right. Like, when a stand-up person, comedian is 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 cracking a joke in Spanish, and then you read the subtitles, like that's not very funny at all. But then my daughter's <laughs> chuck, yeah. So and so one of those trips was supposed to be, uh, you know, going to a Spanish-speaking country. It could be Mexico or Costa Rica, or maybe Colombia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once the pandemic. I'm not sure if we'll ever actually be done done, but once the pandemic has is under control, uh, we'll sure. we'll figure out a way to start traveling to one of these countries. Maybe spend three to four weeks in um in a country like that. Yeah. And uh, one of our longer trips, uh, at, we are at a point where my oldest is 26, so he's out of the house. Uh, my middle child uh, is going to be 18 soon, so he may be gone out to college next year as well. And so my wife and I, we are we've got late, maybe like five ten years where we can like really travel like um mm-hmm. and i don't mean just like going to a place for a week or two like i mean like travel like spend three months here the plan is to spend a lot of time uh, in the northern part of asia so like korea taiwan and um japan and that puts me a little bit closer to singapore where my mom's at and uh, my mom is pretty advanced in her, her years as well so want to kind of be able to like uh kind of pop into Singapore, visit my mom, and then head back out to like Northern Asia again. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of the plan. And there's a lot of advantages around taxes and stuff like that. But yeah. I don't think this is the right podcast to <laughs> dive into those. Right. So Ed, you started out on this journey through the military. Obviously, you've had a, quite a few things happen in your lifetime. How have you been able to manage having these long trips? And, you know, when you say short trips are four weeks, I think most people in the, you know, the working families think that I don't, I've never had that much vacation in my lifetime. How would I ever do a four week vacation? Can you talk a little bit more about your path and how, what opportunities have allowed you to do these things? Yeah, the key to unlocking all these amazing experiences for our family is this very basic concept around financial independence. That sounds like a lot of syllabus. It's actually very simple. It's earn more, spend less, and then you invest the difference. So it's pretty simple, right? Yeah. Do your best to not spend money in unintentional ways. And I phrase that very intentionally, like, uh, of course, spend money. Spend money on things that you want to spend money on that bring you a lot of value. Be intentional about it. Don't be silly. Like, I got a friend who, like, buys a new car every two years, and I'm like, dude, why? Sure. <laughs> um, like, just watch your expenses, and when you spend the money, make sure that it brings a lot of uh, bang for the buck. Mm-hmm. And then find ways to earn more. So for me, it was getting a job in corporate America and working a side gig at the same time. And then the last piece, which is to invest the difference, the savings. What we were able to do was uh, we were able to 
be very frugal in our spending. We are not exactly minimalist, but we definitely do make sure that we're very intentional in how we uh, our money. We worked hard for a long time in corporate America to earn a good chunk of money, mm-hmm. and we've been good stewards of that money. Uh, because that was a fund for our financial freedom, our financial independence. And so we were very careful not to squander that. And then we took that money and we invested it uh, in low-cost index funds. Uh, We didn't do anything crazy. We didn't do any day trading. And we were not in and out of the market every single day. We just picked a broad-based index fund that mirrored the entire U.S. uh, stock market. And then we just kept putting money in every single time that we had excess money to invest. And over 10 years, uh, that brought us to a, a amount where the where if we were to just uh, withdraw like 3 to 4% every year, that will cover our enti- annual living expenses, which is huge because I'm now in a position where I don't actually have to work as long as I don't run out to buy a McMansion and, and five cars. You know? right. <laughs> as long as I continue to be frugal and to live in, in a very intentional way. I now have my annual expenses covered. So I consider that as the baseline, mm-hmm. right? And anything else I earn from either you know, delivering uh, you know, food for DoorDash, which I did for a while, <laughs> or just messing around and um, trying out different experiments and different uh, job opportunities. All that was just gravy that added to our buffer. And now here's the, um, the huge pivot. Being able to not have to work and being able to take on jobs anywhere in the world or just do like consulting work uh, on, on marketing, which is what I do as well, gives me the opportunity to operate from anywhere in the world. I can I could be anywhere in the world. And now the other piece to this was um, the kids. Uh, when we started doing this traveling about 10 years ago, they were in public school. And um, I guess elementary school principal got a little bit tired of me giving up, giving these all these <laughs> lame excuses about, oh yeah, you know, um, Xander wouldn't be able to be in school for the next four weeks. <laughs> and we had a... Yeah, yeah, he's very sick. <laughs> and so we had a couple of conversations and they're like, you know, you can't just keep doing this. It's actually, you know, so we're like, okay, great. We'll just pull out from school completely. We're just homeschooled then. And so that's the impetus of getting into homeschool 10 years ago. And so once we figured out the income or the work piece and the school piece, boom, we now had the time and the reasonable resources to travel. And so that's kind of how financial independence plus homeschooling, gave us the the scope to do what we do and travel. So, Ed, this is really intriguing. And for listeners that really want to dig into this deeper, this financial independence concept, do you have any resources that they could look at or to, to dig deeper on their own? I thought you'd never ask. Uh, I work with uh, two great guys. Their names are Brad and Jonathan. And the three of us have uh, put together a bunch of uh, resources. For... There are actually two sets of resources. So there's the light version, which is like a five-day challenge around taking one action step each day that will help you nudge you towards the path of financial independence. And that is available on chooseify.com slash <laughs> challenge, I think. Yep, okay. um, but you'll get it in the show notes. And then for those who want to get deeper into this course, we have a much longer series and more in-depth called uh, Financial Independence 101 or FI 101. And that's available at chooseify.com slash FI 101. And you also, I know I was introduced to you actually through Travel Rewards, and there's also some Travel Rewards resources on your website. So I'll make sure I put all of those in the show notes, as well as some direct links to the things that you just mentioned. 
Are there any other tips or advice or, you know, resources that you might offer listeners? Again, we're thinking about working families who are just embracing adventure around language or around cooking, anything that you highlighted a lot of different ways that you've embraced adventure in your story. Anything else that you would like to share with our audience? Yes, absolutely. So one great hack, one of the favorite things that we love is our library system. And so there is an awesome, awesome uh, language learning series that makes it really easy for people to learn a foreign language. That's a series by Pimsler, the Pimsler Learning. I think it's called the Pimsler Language Series. That's how I did all my learning through the 20 years. So it's been around for a while now. In fact, it was the series that was uh, recommended to us in, in the military. So it's called the Pimsler Learning Series, and uh, they cover at least 50 languages out there in the world. And uh, at least for my library system, uh, it was free. So Awesome. Right. Be warned, though, it's, it comes in CDs, if, if you know what that is. <laughs> so <laughs> these silver little platters of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, so it's, uh, if, depending on your generation, that, you might be like, what the heck is I that? I might have to find um, a CD player, but it sounds good. I think I can manage. So that's that. And then the other great one is like, if you're into Japanese cooking, I really recommend this website, uh, justonecookbook.com. Miss Nami, she does a really good job of, you know, introducing you to Japanese home cooking mm -hmm. with some introductions into Chinese and Korean home that's cooking. Exciting. Bear in mind, none of this is like restaurant quality cuisine. It's it's the yummy, yummy home cooked food, which is what yeah. I'm all about. So, yeah, that's yeah. the authentic stuff. That's the really good stuff. That's kind of funny. We, we joked uh, and on one of the other episodes. I tried to make just sushi rolls for my kids, like trying to do what you had mentioned. We were doing some homeschooling work. We, it was our anniversary. So we were trying to do something that we would typically have gone out for to create that experience at home. And yeah, I clearly need to take some lessons in Japanese cooking because even the sushi rolls were a hot mess. And my family looked at it and they're like, you want us to eat this? It doesn't look very good. I'm like, but it tastes good. <laughs> it's a silly putty that you can put in your mouth and eat. <laughs> One thing I learned about making sushi rolls is that um, you got to pay a lot of attention to the rice. Yes. And, and the process begins before you even cook the rice. So the Japanese, they wash the rice multiple times to get the, the starch out. Mm -hmm. And rewash it like three to four times. And then they soak it for like a good 30 minutes. And they drain it for like another 30 minutes. That Now you're ready to start cooking the rice. And then you, you nice. talk about the, the amount of water you put in there and then how you treat it. And what kind of vinegar. It's a whole thing. I learned later that if you're new in a, in a sushi restaurant, like, like you could spend like two to three years just being wow. in charge of rice before they'll let you touch the fish <laughs> and hmm. the seaweed. <laughs> so yeah. it's a huge deal. Wow. So like, you know... Don't beat yourself up because it's it's not easy. It's, not, it's pretty complex. I understand. I appreciate all that you shared, though. I think these are awesome resources. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you wanted to share? No, I think uh, we've covered all the bases. So that that was that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Holy free holies! Seriously, was that not a trip? There was so much jam packed into this twenty five minutes. It was amazing. I slimmed it down to 20 key takeaways. Literally, there was so much packed into this. So here we go. Number one, embrace the suck. Making the best of an experience can open your mind to new possibilities. Two, once you realize you can belong anywhere and be happy, the whole world opens up to you. Three, language and food are critical aspects to local culture. Authentic local experiences don't typically require extensive tourist experiences. Four, you don't need to be fluent in every language. Define a benchmark such as ordering a beer, perhaps. The attempt may build a new connection. Five, 
The military can be a path to explore the world and create meaningful connections. Six, traveling the world is more than collecting stamps in your passport. Seven, is hunched over cooking at a street vendor pushcart what you imagined for local cooking lessons? Maybe it could be. Eight, while American safety standards exist for a reason, be open to what the standards in the local community are. Lean in, get curious. You might be opting out unintentionally with your hidden bias. Nine, I'm now craving yummy Asian cuisine. Anyone else? (laughs) Note to self, go to Thailand and indulge. It's cheaper than mac and cheese in my hometown. Number 10, look for inspiration everywhere. The curiosity of his teenage daughter took them on one of the most iconic experiences for their family. 11. Sometimes your greatest experiences will happen in the most unlikely places. Memorable experiences are not always synonymous with comfort. Number 12. Adventure is a tool to reinforce their child's learning. Number 13. The buddy system is a good practice even for remote places like Western Mongolia. Number 14. Not traveling in 2020 has led to adventures in learning new languages and home cooking. These were two big chunks of his travel experiences. What are the big chunks of your travel experiences that might get you through until we can travel again safely? 15. The key to allowing their family the flexibility and freedom to extensively travel the world was a combination of financial independence and homeschooling. 16. Financial independence is an equation of earn more, spend less, and invest the difference. Maintain a reasonable lifestyle that aligns with your values. After 10 years, they were able to draw 3 to 4% to cover their annual living expenses. 17. They filled the gap by being willing to take odd jobs and ad hoc consulting anywhere in the world. 18 and Beyond is a list of free resources to dig deeper on financial independence, language learning, and home cooking. These are all free resources, and I encourage you, if any of these piqued your interest, check them out and decide what is your action step. How are you going to move forward in this adventure? I am curious what your key takeaway is. If you would like to join me in the Ordinary Sherpa Facebook group, I'm going to be posting some pictures both here and on our Instagram account, Ordinary Sherpa on both. So the Ordinary Sherpa Facebook group and Ordinary Sherpa on Instagram. I would love to learn more about what was one thing from this episode that you are super excited about and want to take action on, even if it's just checking out one of the free resources. With that, thank you so much. I am so appreciative. I recognize this episode is launching on the 23rd, so please have a happy holiday with your family. I hope you find some time to sneak a little adventure in and create new meaningful connections with your family. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.